Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is for any serial entrepreneur out there as well as anyone who is married and wants to work on their marriage. Um, David Feldman is a fantastic uh, person to talk to. He's just a fantastic person in general. Um, he's a very kind soul, very wise person who has a lot of entrepreneurial experience and um, has experienced a lot of ups and downs with regard to uh, personal challenges. And we talk about how he, someone stole $500,000 from him, um, which was not easy to overcome for sure. Um, and we speak about different entrepreneurial ventures he's had over the years, how he was making a ton of money um, back in the day, and how he essentially had the golden handcuffs. And we talk about how he's evolved as a, as a person and as a business owner, and talk about his approach to marriage counseling, which is his, um, has been his focus for the last 12 years or so. Um, in the interest of disclosure, my wife and I have worked with David, um, and I, I have just only very positive things to say about him and his approach to his um, <clears throat> marital counseling program. And, and um, you know, it's he and his wife do it together. He's the primary um, part of the the business, I believe, but um, she also helps him out and has a, a different approach to working with the wives in the in the marriage, um, but this this episode is great. He's uh, j he knows how to tell a story for sure, and also knows how to do the rapid fire questions. And just there's so much value here um, in the every minute. I feel like there's just a lot of value that you're going to get in this episode for sure. So not one you're going to want to miss. Uh, enjoy. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman. And today, I'm thrilled to have with us Dovid Feldman of Building Great Marriages. Dovid, how are you doing today? Hey, Jamie. It's great to see you. Terrific. Thank you. It's great to see you again, Dovid. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we obviously know each other a little bit, obvious to you and me, but not obvious to the listener. Um, we'll, we'll maybe touch on that later, but you and I do know each other. Um, but for the listener out there who does not know who you are, who are you today and what are you up to? Sure, sure. So today uh, changes all the time. Um, <laughs> I am a husband, a father of six beautiful children, and I'm a marriage therapist. I'm licensed here in the state of Illinois. 
Uh, I work with couples primarily, also with individuals. And my primary focus is based off of my personal conviction that everybody can have a great marriage and that everyone can do what it takes to be a good marriage partner and have a safe and healthy family, a great relationship. And one of my life's missions is to help people get to that place and for them to experience the joys and pleasures of being a husband and wife. That's uh, very well said. I think you've, you must have done this before. Um, <laughs> that's, that's great. Now, how long have you been a marriage counselor for? Um, well, I've been doing like ad hoc counseling and working with couples for, I don't know, a couple decades already. I officially got my degree uh, about 10 or 12 years ago and have been working professionally in it for the last 10 years. Got it. Okay. Perfect. So I know there's a lot of, a lot we could dive into. We're obviously not going to dive into everything as far as your personal experiences, you know, today, but um, let's jump into your backstory. I know recently, I think within the last day or two, I read uh, a Twitter thread that you had uh, that you had put out there uh, about some financial challenges that you had that you've experienced back in uh, and, and in your younger younger life, if you will. Um, Let me count the ways. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> but even before that, I think you uh, you know I think it would be do us some some good here to talk about yeah. kind of maybe from college going sure. going from there. Yeah, you know, I love the idea that your podcast is about entrepreneurship because for many of us who have that calling, it's not like something that you achieve once in life and then you like finish it. It's like always evolving, you know, and I I have evolved so many different times. You know, even as you know, even if you're in your own business and let's just say you call your company the same thing, right? And it's, you're focused in the same niche it's constantly changing and you always have to reinvent yourself. You know, uh, I had a customer that was like my primary bread and butter for, you know, five years. I was coasting with this great fortune 500 customer. Mm. And then all of a sudden the the primary buyer who was like my best friend there, you know, decides he wants to leave, you know, Mm. (laughs) and you know, that, you know, all of a sudden I've got an office full of people and we're, you know, payroll and all these things, then boom, you know, uh, you know, so you got to start all over again, or you got to start picking up the pieces from where you left off. You got to call up all those customers that you ignored because you had a primary. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And you look, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And, and we make that very clear on this show it has a lot of perks for sure. Uh, but it certainly comes it's, with its own set of challenges and you got to be yeah. flexible and, and, uh, and kind of figure some things out as you go along. So yeah, it's let's jump back. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it, it, my journey as an entrepreneur is very connected with marriage uh, many people today start with the mar- you know, with their get their finances in order first before they and men and women are doing this today. Uh, for a lot of people, or for some people, perhaps foolish people like myself, I got married first with <laughs> absolutely no idea of what I was. I was convinced that I was going to become a guitarist and play in music in in wedding bands and stuff like that. Just totally, totally <laughs> crazy. Sure. And um, well, what? Yeah, no, that's that's interesting because I and we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I that that whole co- a question of should I follow my passion? A lot of a lot of younger people, frankly, think oh I should just follow my passion and then, then the money and happiness will flow from there. It all just rains <laughs> down on me. And you know, and and my own personal opinion is yeah, you should certainly do something you enjoy. Um, but at the end of the day, really, you should follow where the opportunity is. But um, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Would, looking back, you know, the music thing didn't work out. What are your thoughts well, on listen, that? Advice? I, I uh, you know, I, I was one of those people that you know, originally I wanted to be a, a rabbi living in Israel. And mm. then I wanted to be a musician. And, you know, I was doing anything I could to avoid like corporate America. I was a, sure. you know, I was a liberal Grinnell college grad in Iowa. And, you know, I just hadn't, I was like sitting, was suffering from Peter Pan syndrome where I just didn't mm. want to bite the bullet, you know? And eventually I got married. Thank God. My wife had a lot of patience for me, but, you know, as I told my son who's getting married recently, soon, the second you get married, the clock is ticking. 
You know, there's only a certain amount of months that are going to go by and not in years. The clock doesn't tick in years. Mm -hmm. it, it, it ticks in weeks, days, weeks, and months. And there's a certain amount of months you have before you, you got to get your act together. So at some point after trying all these other, uh, all these other options, including music and multi-level marketing and all these mm -hmm. things, substitute teaching, I decided to go to computer school. And this is back in the mid nineties. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I went to a six-month coding course, coding camp, and got my first job. It was uh, my fir very first job was for $24,000 a year. And it was just a very funny experience, just that too, because I was so nervous. I went into this place that was supposedly hiring, and I came mm -hmm. in, I brought my cover sheet and my resume. Mm -hmm. And on the cover sheet, I only had my name. I didn't have any other information on there because my resume had all my contact information on it. But sure. I forgot to give them the actual resume. So I only gave them the cover sheet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and now back then, there were no cell phones or anything like that. So, right, and right. there was no internet or anything like that. I walked into the place. So anyway, I hadn't heard back from them. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> right. So two weeks later, I go back in and I just, you know, I wanted to do it in person. I know that sounds yeah. crazy today to go yeah. actually to an office, up the stairs, go to the front desk, introduce yeah. yourself. Very, very aggressive. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And the, the secretary looks at me and she says, are you David Feldman? And I said, yeah. She goes, stay right here. Stay right here. So I was shocked, you know, and all of a sudden the boss comes out from the back and he says, we've been waiting for you to come back. We had no way to get in touch with you. <laughs> wow. So, you know, he's like, now let's go to the back and he's like, sit down. Can I get you a cup of coffee? Tell me about what you can do. I mean, I had, he <laughs> right. Had, right, right. He must have. Yeah. I've heard stories of people applying to college with just, you know, with a one, one sentence application One saying sentence application yeah it's crazy so i got my first job in like data analytics and i really hustled you know i really hustled because I, I i had a family and the, there's nothing to get you to move and motivate you more than having a wife with a baby on the way and sure. um you know i really hustled and within the first my first job was like for twenty four thousand. then i moved to another company making like 45 i went up to about eighty thousand there and then um, after that, I'd been working about four years. I realized that I'd reached a ceiling, mm. you know, as an employee, I had reached a ceiling and there's nothing wrong, but I just, I was living in New York, even back then in the, in the late nineties, mm -hmm. 80,000 wasn't going to get me a down payment for a house and get my kids sure. you know, Jewish schools and kosher food and all the things that we needed. It just wasn't going to happen. I mean, 80,000 then might be 200,000 now or 150, but but it's you know, New York, think, but it's yeah, New York. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Houses <laughs> back then were still 400,000 and, you know, back yeah. in where I was living and, you know, it just, I needed a lot more. And sure. so I had this opportunity to become this computer consultant at Merck Pharmaceuticals. And this okay. is when the internet was just taking off. So sure. this is when they were all making their websites and they were all like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you've been here before. Let's show them something you looked at once before. Wow, that's like the coolest technology, <laughs> you know? And people were still using mainframe computers and they were looking for young programmers that could take mm -hmm. them to that next level. And I took that opportunity. It was really scary because it was like a six-month contract and I was going to be making $100 an hour, which is basically the, the run rate of $200,000 a year. So a huge okay. boost. Sure salary for me yeah it's a lot of money yeah it was i mean i was totally unprepared for these checks that kept coming into my mailbox and i was like pavlog's dog every time the postman <laughs> came i would go run into the mailbox open up a five thousand eight thousand dollar check whatever it was crazy wow. amounts of money sure. I know. if i would have just invested all that in my <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> and yeah so and then i started my once you get the taste of that life though it's hard to go back mm -hmm. you know Sure. Uh, and I started doing business as an entrepreneur and it was scary because I had to go from that it, back then it really wasn't as scary because computer programmers were like in, de in demand in demand. Yeah. yeah. I remember that when I chose to move from New York to Chicago, I bought a house here first without even a job. And my dad said to me, like, how do you, how can you afford the mortgage? I said, don't worry. It's not a problem. You know? And I went into I, my next job here in Chicago. One of my next jobs here in Chicago was at Granger. It's an industrial supply company. Uh -huh. And I remember walking in there and again, I'm in the building and the manager comes out and he moves me to the office. 
And he says, do you know how to do this thing in computers? And I said, yes. He goes, do you know how to make these object-oriented code personified with this platform? I'm like, yeah, I've done that before. He's like, do you know how to do this? He asked me like four things, all of which I had actually done, you know? <laughs> He's like, okay, sit here, don't move. <laughs> and he goes <laughs> to the back, brings a contract. And he's just like, okay, how much do you want per hour? <laughs> wow. And it was like, that, awesome. those are the days, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, and now at this point, you know, cause, cause the term entrepreneur gets thrown around a lot, especially nowadays. And, um, but at this point it's kind of, you're, you're an independent contractor and you're just, you know, you Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't sound like you set up shop as an entrepreneur necessarily, but you—it's a job. But you're a contractor, and you're going where the money is. Um, is is yeah, that little, what's, what's your mindset? What's your approach to your career at that point? Well, it's a it's a bridge. You know, this is sure. a definite bridge because sure. gone are the W twos. Is the you know mm -hmm. uh, the stability, the sure. long term prospects moving up to management, you know, all these right. kinds of things, these are all gone. You sure. know, you, if, as long as they need you, you're on a big payroll, mm -hmm. but, but the second they don't need you, which is actually what happened to me, what actually happened to me is that we went through the dot-com era and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there were people from overseas that were, that were flooding the market. And so when I came to renew my contracts and after a couple of years there, the rates had gone way down. They didn't need me for the same things anymore, you know. And there sure. was another interesting aspect that I think your 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 audience would find interesting. Mm -hmm. There was like a there was a, a sense back then for me that you know obviously we all understand the idea of trading time for money. Sure. You know? And I was making all as I explained to you, I was making all this money, right? Yeah. But it was actually turned into, for me at that age in my life, it turned into like this prison mm -hmm. because my wife would say to me, well, let's take the kids on a week-long vacation to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. right. right. All of a sudden, the, the, the calculator starts going in my head, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't, cost. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it wasn't even the price of Disneyland that I could afford, right. the plane right, tickets, right. the hotel, all just I could take care of that. It was how Which, much money I would be losing right. by not showing up at the office. You know, sure. I just I so couldn't. Give it, so give us now. That makes total sense. I'm, and as much as you're comfortable sharing, approximately in that two year period, if you had to say per year how much you were making, approximately. Yeah, in that two year period, it went anywhere from about two hundred and fifty all the way to three seventy five, depending on. And this is back yeah. in two thousand and three. That's, that's a lot. That's money. a lot of money. That's a that's a very high income. Yes. Um, yeah, well, and, and... it wasn't that complicated because I I was getting myself a hundred. I was getting myself about a hundred and thirty, a hundred and forty, which is about two eighty. And then because I was an independent contractor, I brought in people for projects underneath me, so I was taking forty or fifty dollars an hour on their salary, and they were fine with it because they're still making a hundred, and I'm making the other thirty or forty. Sure. Hey, two or three guys underneath me. Next thing you know, every hour that goes by, I'm yeah making it three hundred bucks an hour. No, and and it's easy for the 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 listener to say, well, of course he could go on vacation, you know, because he, he was making all that money. It's like well, we had a we had someone on the on the show, Kevin Dahlstrom, fantastic episode. He was making uh, through a salary, I, I want to say one point three million per year, uh -huh. and quit his job. And, and it, you know, I, I think it's easy to, from the outside to look and, and say, well, that's easy. Of course, it's easy to walk away because you're making, you had all this money. Right. Well, think about if you're getting paid $500,000, you know, in, in a month from now, you think that's easy to walk away from it. It's, it's not easy <laughs> it's at all. It's never easy. It's never um, easy. So if you go to Disney for a week, you're, it's a lot of opportunity costs there. Yeah. Um, so, but you're you, golden handcuffs, essentially you're tied, you're trading your time for money you're tied to that, to that job. I mean, even, even if it's not a W2, you're still tied to that. Um, so, so, and, and you don't have, uh, the stability that, like you said before, there's no corporate ladder to climb, right. um, no real benefits per se, I would, I would assume. So, it, um, so is this when you start thinking about making a change for uh, career wise? 
Yeah, yeah, actually it was, you know, um, it, it actually was. And, and what I chose to do is I started, I started as a real entrepreneur, say a full entrepreneur, I should just say. Sure. I opened up my own small mobile development, mobile deployment and development company. This okay. was back with the Palm Pilots and the Blackberries and the Windows mm -hmm. phones and, you know, back in the day sure. before, before the iPhone even came into existence. And I took all my internet skills and I created this beautiful website where people can order phones online. I understand that today it's like whoever even goes <laughs> into the store, right? But back then, the idea of ordering a, a $700 phone off the internet, you yeah, know, was a was, big deal. Sure. You know? And I had to like, for the developers out there, there were no Shopify's or any of that stuff. I had to code my own shopping cart and like the whole session variables and database backends and reporting. It was like a whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. But I was able to take all my skills and leverage that. And um, and I did very well in that business. But unbelievable. It took a couple of years. So I, I, I never matched the same amount of money, mm -hmm. to be honest. I never walked mm -hmm. away with like 350 per year. Mm -hmm. But I had my freedom because I didn't need to be at the off. I could still sell phones yeah. even when I wasn't in the office. I love that. Was, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. That's it, a key, key point for sure. Yep. Yeah. And um, I built up that business and, uh, and this gets to the story that we were talking about a little bit earlier that I wrote about on Twitter and I was yeah. really in dealing and I had big fortune 500 companies, including Microsoft and Nokia, and they were buying stuff from me. You know, Microsoft was buying Microsoft phones from me, you know? Wow, that's wild. <laughs> right, right. It was great. It was just fantastic. Yeah. 80 phones here. And these are expensive phones, you know, $800 phones, you know, each one, boom. I guess, again, today you go to the story, but back then the, the right. average phone was 199 flip phone or a BlackBerry 349 for a BlackBerry, you know? Mm -hmm. But but I was selling these computer phones, these eight, these HTC Windows phones that were 800 bucks a piece. Hmm. And Microsoft would order 50, 60, 100 of them, you know, wow. times were good. But unfortunately, <laughs> what happened to me, you know, my office was expanding and more and more, it got health insurance for everybody. And it was like really nice. rocking and rolling. Yeah, I know. It was really great. And, you know, unfortunately, I, 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 I must have blinked too many times and I didn't notice that one of my suppliers was catfishing me, basically. Hmm. He was supplying me phones um at a really great price yeah that that were very difficult to get in the market mm. and i had done about six months worth of business with him and always paid him and within you know a week you know got a tracking number within two or three days the phones came exactly as advertised you know and i was making good money on these on this product because i was the only one that had it you know and um and then like he then he, he emails me like frantically one day after six months that he got this great new big order that's coming in. And if I want, I can take all whatever it was, 300 phones. And I was like, okay, let's do it. You know? Sure. And uh, there were no 300 phones. There was no mm -hmm. big new order that came in. Mm -hmm. I wired him the money and he was gone. And that was how much money? There were two transactions that I did that that totaled approximately five hundred thousand dollars. Wow, I know. Is... Even just saying that, like, it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's and, and I'll be honest. It's it, you, you. I mean, you're you're a therapist, so you <laughs> not. I'm not a therapist, but we do deal with this on on the show where we, you know, we do relive some painful uh, moments. And oh the, the point is not oh. to pour salt in the wound. The point is not to, you know cause any any emotional distress but that that is uh that is that man i can't imagine what what oh was going through your mind at that point oh my gosh. i mean you know it was like the exact same process as the grieving process you know the first thing was like denial you know sure. i was like oh maybe i'll get it back or maybe he's just out of town or maybe his phone doesn't work right the guy's like, his phone <laughs> right. doesn't work you know right. And then days go by and days go by and there's no tracking number. There's no response to any of the emails. Da, 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 da. And then the people in my office started getting involved. And then one of my office ladies looks up this guy's name. And it turns mm -hmm. out that there was a news report about him that he was just indicted for like this major fraud. Wow. For, not, not with me. It was with somebody mm -hmm. else. He actually stole. 
he only stole 500 from me. He stole 10 million from another person. So wow. <laughs> he got indicted for that. And it was like the, the grief that I experienced was I can, you know, I can still go back there to this moment, you know, because as men, it's like we put everything into our businesses. You know, we just, sure. it's, are, it's, it's your identity, right? In, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so your, your identity yeah. and, and your soul, like your, your, soul, your blood, sure. sweat and tears. Your yeah, absolutely. Family, you know, your safety, you know. Sure. And then all of those things are that every bit of your world is rocked in that in that regard. Um, so, you know, for the for the listener, and, and this is maybe not the easiest thing to do, but what what could or should you have done differently ahead oh. of time? Um, oh, yeah. No, no, I do not. I do not claim like total victim here. I was uh, not nearly as cautious as I needed to be. I, I was making so much, so many deals and so much mm -hmm. money and so much of that business was based on trust. Sure. You know, uh, today, even back then, there wasn't the lookup tools and the stuff that we have today. Sure. You know, there's so much, everybody knew each other in that business and, mm -hmm. um, there were clear red flags that mm -hmm. now I would hope I would not fall for that at all, but sure. there were clear red flags at the time that I just ignored and I wanted mm -hmm. to ignore them. I wanted mm -hmm. to ignore them because every time I wired this guy money, he kept on giving me this great, these great mm -hmm. products that nobody else could get, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I felt like, wow, like what a, what a window of opportunity that I have with him. And he was always sure. available to stuff, but like, if you want to know in particular, you know, that alone, the fact that that alone was happening, that I was, you know, getting these products from this guy, that alone was a red flag. Mm. When things are, it's, I hate to say the same Too old thing. Too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's sure. always the same thing when things that, you know, I, maybe I was too greedy, you know, that I just didn't see, you know. Sure. I, I, I've toyed, you know, of course, my gut reaction is not greed. I had an office full of employees that needed to get paid and I had responsibilities. Sure. I wanted to grow my business. I thought this was my window. You know, everybody's got that shining moment. You know, Bill Gates, when IBM came and said to him, oh, let's, can we license this or buy it? You know, he said, license instead. Is he being greedy? You know, he built Microsoft, you know, off of that <laughs> right. choice. You right. know, so I thought, you know, this was something that was, was going to really help me grow. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes total sense. And I'm, look, I don't, making money is a good thing. In, in my opinion, um, certainly anything like that can go too far, obviously. Um, but I'm I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I mean, I you know I'm an entrepreneur. It's it, making money is is good, and and helping your employees is a good thing. Growing your business is a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, um, there's, there's I, I think this could have happened to any any one of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And other things like when I, when I looked for his address, you know, it, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like an established place. I mean, it was there, there was an office and a building, but it wasn't, mm -hmm. there were, now that I look back, like now that I do business, I still do mm -hmm. a lot of business with large corporations in my phone business. Cause I still have that on the side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not as big as it was before. So it's not as much, but now mm -hmm. I only do business with like fortune 500 large companies that I know. Sure. You know, I don't do this anymore. None of this stuff. Sure. I never just send off a wire to somebody who I met off the internet. Like that does not, <laughs> you right. know, I guess when sure. I say it like that, it sounds so yeah. stupid. But back then, that's what everybody was doing. You know? Sure. Well, and he'd produced before on a, on a lower level, yeah. right? Over, over yeah. time. So he created that element of trust and, yeah. and a proof of concept, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, so how did you rebound or rebuild what happened after that that major loss yeah for sure for sure as i say in my tweet you know the first thing i did is i, I lived on the couch for about three weeks i i did not get off my living room couch you yeah. couldn't peel me off with a with a with a peeler i was just couldn't move but it's i decided i made some like major life choices at that point because um you know being an entrepreneur hat takes a toll on your personal sure. life and it's very easy to get out of whack of family and life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I did, which I'm sure your audience is familiar with, is I decided to read Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, you know? Sure. Absolutely. And I shifted, like, everything. I just decided I'm going to put in my hours. I'm going to continue going to work, but I'm not going to, I'm going to put boundaries around how much effort mm -hmm. I put in. 
because I because I realized that no matter how much effort I put in, everything can be taken away in a snap of a finger. Sure. And there's always more effort to give. There's always more work to be done, right? It's never oh, enough, totally. right? Never is never enough, you know? So sure. I started to spend time with my kids in the morning. I started making them breakfast every single day instead of rushing off to work. I came home and had dinner with the family, which I hadn't done in years. Um, we took I took entire summers off. And these were some of the best years of my life. I mm. Instead of being in the office, I said, mm. okay, I left it to the couple people that were there. My my office, unfortunately, I had to fire a lot of people. I mean, this had real consequence. I had to fire a mm. bunch of people. Let go, wow. let go of a bunch of people. It was really sad for me. Sure. And we scaled down tremendously. And I would I I took summers off. I just... Mm. To, went up to the Catskills with my kids. I was, my kids were at the age of going to camp. I decided I'm going to camp with my kids. And I, again, this is all an entrepreneurial spirit. I, I called up the camp and I said to them, um, do you guys have a boating program, like a water skiing boating program? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, well, I've got a good idea. How about if I come up to camp with my wife, I'll bring the boat. <laughs> you put me up in one of the adult, you know, cabins. And I'll run the boating program for the summer. <laughs> and they're like, wow, that sounds great. You know, <laughs> now the thing is, I didn't have a boat. <laughs> I have a boat. I, you know, I'd never done this before. So I drove up there. I, ha I had to get a little SUV because I didn't have an SUV. I didn't have an SUV either. So I had something to tow the boat. I, uh, I, got a, I got an SUV. I drove up to the Catskills. Went, before I went to the camp, I went shopping for a boat at the local marinas. Picked up the, this $5,000 20-foot boat, hooked it onto the back of my car, and drove to the camp and acted like, oh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> Captain <laughs> David, awesome. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love, it gets to the point of, you know, there, there's that fine line between, you know, fake it till you make it versus having confidence that you can do something. And I think every entrepreneur kind of walks that line a little bit at some point. Um, you know, if you're not blatantly lying and saying, no, I've been captaining boats for decades, yeah. well... You know, that's one thing, but to say you could deliver the service, that's a different, different yeah, statement. Totally. Yeah. And I had done, I was, you know, my, my father had, we were raised on Lake Michigan here in Illinois. So I had done a lot of boating when I was a kid. I knew how to drive a boat. It's just, you know, and I, and like you said, I didn't, I didn't present myself as an, as an official instructor, but I said, I'm willing to sure. you know, be that guy, you know? And right. so it turned out to yeah. be great. I did it for the next, you know, four or five, maybe six summers in a row. Uh, it was wonderful times with my family and uh, I was running my business from a smartphone on the boat, you know, and, but, you know, you, you do things that, you know, that can make, you know, if, if this isn't why you're going to become an entrepreneur, what's the point, you know, like, you know, I wanted sure. to live life. I wanted to take it based on what had happened to me. I felt like I pressured to live my life now, you know, and that's, not, that's, yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. So just not constantly delaying and oh, when i have this pile of money finally you know stockpiled right. then then i can start living my life and totally. that, at that point your kids are 30 years old and oh yeah and you can't even you can't even get on a pair of water skis at that point <laughs> right <laughs> right um i love that and 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 for those who haven't aren't familiar with tim ferris's book it's it's all about automating and and delegating and, and using the resources not trading your time for money right being exactly. smart about things yes um and, and creating boundaries like you like you did and uh so um so that's fantastic so okay so just for for context at this point when you're doing the 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 water ski instruction what age are we talking about for you and how many kids did you have? What did your life look yeah. like? I had, um, I had five kids and uh, it was, let's say the years were about, uh, I think this was 2010, 2008, okay. 2009, 2010. Got it. Okay. And when I, when I finished with all that stuff, I came back and I, I decided that um, I wanted it do something different with my life again. So again, you know, entrepreneurial is something yeah. that is just yeah. ever evolving. In your blood. Yeah. Sure. And I was kind of tired of, you know, dealing with, you know, technology and everything like that. And um, I chose to, um, I chose to focus on relationships and mm. people. And I'd always had a desire to, and I'd always, I'd always had been, I, I have always been working with couples and people mm. and, you know, families. And I decided to formalize it. So 
I, I there was a there's a local co- university near my house, and mm-hmm. then I said that there was night classes, and I said, you know, maybe I can get my master's degree, mm-hmm. you know, and I started going, and it, it wasn't easy because you know you got to you, you know I'm running a business, I'm a father of six, five and six kids, and uh, I wanted to do this, mm-hmm. and so I signed up to become you know a, a very interesting. Tale, which I've spoken about before, which is, I think very inspiring for people, especially people later in life that are trying to make some serious decisions. Yeah, I think I was on forty. I think I was on forty-two or forty-three, and I and um, I was contemplating this master's degree program, mm-hmm. and I just didn't know it was going to be. By the time I got my official certificate, where I could actually be licensed, it would be about five years. Mm-hmm. Between wow. the classes and the internship and the, this and that, so um, I didn't. I just was lost. I didn't know it was like five years. I mean, that's crazy, you know. Sure. So I turned to the wisest person I know, my father, and I said to my dad, I shared with him. I opened up my heart and I said, I really want to do this, but I just five years. It seems like yeah. eternity, you know. I, I don't know if I have the strength. So my father said something. It didn't take him more than two minutes and he said something very powerful to me he said is this something that you can do like are you going to turn your life upside down by doing this or is this something you can actually do mm-hmm. i said no if i if i put if i put myself to it it's going to be a sacrifice but yes i can do it sure says, okay. and then he said okay is this something that you enjoy doing and i said yeah actually i love the topics i've looked through the courses they all seem really cool the, the university's got great reviews. I met people who graduated that said they loved the program. So, so he says, so you would like this. So you can do it and you'll enjoy it. And I said, yes. <laughs> he says, then you only have one question to ask yourself. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, you, you're telling me that you'll be fully graduated by the time you're 48 or so. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. He says, well, then the only question you have to ask yourself is when you're 48, do you want to be somebody with a master's and licensed degree in family family and marriage therapy, or don't you? That's all you have to ask. Because you're gonna be forty. Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna be forty eight anyway. <laughs> sure. So who do you want to be when you're forty eight? Yeah. So imagine your life at forty eight, having this degree, and imagine how you're gonna feel at forty because you're gonna because you, you know this is old man's wisdom. You know he was like sure. eighty years old, so he's looking at sure. me, he's like. He sees all of time completely differently, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's just like, you're going to hit 48. I was 48. You're going to hit 48. Who do you <laughs> right. want to be when you're 48? Yeah. No, that's, like, that's, I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm actually working, trying to get my daughter to provide us a, a two year vision right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's, what does your life look like when you're 18? Um, so, and obviously, and so obviously, you decided that you wanted when you turned forty eight, you wanted to have the license and be cert- certified and and legitimate, I guess, if you will. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. um, but so, so what? Um, that is very sage advice. I mean, that's <laughs> it's just wisdom. You, there. Life, you, you have to be older to really to, to see. really see it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times, you know, simple isn't isn't necessarily easy. I'm sure it wasn't easy to get that right. that degree with all the other th- competing priorities in yeah, your life. Of course. But it was a sounds like it was a relatively simple decision. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to go that, and show up and do the work and it wasn't like I, I didn't yeah. need to move anywhere or quit my job or anything like that. I just needed to, you know, grind. Sure. You know? Yeah. So but what had I mean you know, what it caused you to, you said you were working with people before kind of informally or, or less. I was just tired of, you know, honestly, I was just tired of, you know, doing computer work. Sure. I've been doing computer work since I was 25 years old. And I was yeah. just like, I want to, I want human relationships yeah. in my life now, you know? No, that makes sense. So, I mean, honestly, when you say that, it's, it's really, so prior to this podcast, I was a co-host on a, the Good Deeds Note Investing podcast. And it was it was great. It was about um, investing in mortgage notes, which is my primary business now yeah. still. But I got a little tired of the mechanics of, you know, how to buy a note or doing due diligence on, a, on, a, uh, on an asset or doing a particular deed in lieu of foreclosure or something. It, it's all important stuff, but the mechanics of it just weren't that 
didn't compare to the excitement that it was produced from the human stories uh, that um, really were behind some of these successful people we talked to, whether real estate investors or other other entrepreneurs. So that was the impetus for me for starting this show. So I can yeah completely relate on some level as far as just it's the human side of things that, that sure. really is is appealing. Um, so, but but now you mentioned briefly your entrepreneurial journey um, takes a can, it, took, it sounds like it maybe took a toll on your family life or personal life. Was any of that a factor in you becoming a, a marriage counselor? I mean, it, it was all related. You know, um, I kind of got into a little bit of hot water myself in my own marriage. Mm-hmm. You know in part because of what what was going on in my business. Not My wife was very supportive during the loss, but just in terms of where my priorities were. You sure. know? Um, Understood. Yep. And so, you know, when we went to see a therapist, um, I wasn't happy. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. And I looked at this lady after spending a year in therapy, mm-hmm. marriage therapy, yeah. Wow. And I said to myself, and I, I may have even said this out loud, I was so, <laughs> I'm like, I can do this way better than you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of businesses are created that way. And a lot of entrepreneurs do their own thing because they, they, they and, and in a lot of cases, it's true, right? I mean, not, we're not trying to put her down personally. No, of it's not um, that. It's just like, it, you know, it, you know, you and I, have, we talked about this earlier, we've worked together. I have a yep. very... One of the things that I decided, you know, again, in an entrepreneurial way was that I was yeah. going to approach marriage therapy very differently. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. And because and yeah. I do have, I, we'll, we'll get to my rapid fire questions, um, okay. <laughs> but, but let's talk about, so for the listener, just to not full disclosure, but some disclosure, uh, <laughs> my wife and I worked with David over a period of time last year um, in, in 2022. And it was, it was a, uh, very good. Um, and and uh, the, the results... Must have been, otherwise you wouldn't have invited me back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so nothing but positive uh, reviews and, and glowing uh, remarks for, from me on, um, as far as, as your work goes, David. But yeah, t- I, I, it did surprise me in a lot of ways. And you are unique in a lot of ways, and which I think is a good thing. So talk to the listener uh, out there. How do you approach marriage, th- you know, counseling and how do you approach yeah. your business um, as compared to maybe other therapists out there? Sure. sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. So traditionally, everybody, most of us are familiar with either therapy or marriage therapy, which is colloquially known as talk therapy. And what happens is that usually in many circumstances, the wife drags the husband in to see some sort of counselor in an office and they both start opening up about what's wrong in the marriage. And the counselor tries to figure out how to fix everything and 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 it's all it's all beautiful. Listen, everybody who's in the health profession, it's all beautiful, and God bless everybody for sure. Mm-hmm. I bless the therapists for sure. taking their time and putting their effort in, and bless the people who are there to try to make their marriages better. Yeah, I just don't think that that paradigm, that that methodology, works very well. It didn't work well for me because what mm-hmm. ended up happening is what I say to my clients when they question me about my method. I always say I, I meet with each person in the relationship separately. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bigger, yeah. big part of my thing. And yep. they say, why do you do that? And I say, there's no point in putting a hungry lion and an angry tiger in the same room and just mm-hmm. to see what's going to happen, right? There's just no point. Sure. And that's oftentimes what husbands and wives look like when they come into a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the problems. The other problem is that people don't feel comfortable. I mean, there's all these mm-hmm. YouTube, you know, spoofy, funny videos about the guy who thinks, "Are you sure I should say how I really feel?" You know, and then he, <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. the... <laughs> I'm thinking of Will Ferrell in old school right now, but um, <laughs> we'll save that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, um, it's just crazy stuff. It's crazy stories, and it doesn't. It's not safe. It's not an emotionally safe place. You know. Mm-hmm. So what I do that's a little different is I meet with the husband, I meet with the wife, we have parallel therapy going on at the same time, Mm -hmm. but we're not fighting with each other at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I do, which I think it makes it really safe. I kind of move into people's relationships, which is really nice. You know, I kind of, we we all connect on WhatsApp, we're all like a family group, and if something happens, I'm I'm informed. The other thing that I think is really nice is that I have a 
I have a um, I have a curriculum. So I actually work with my clients on actual concepts that are the foundations of marriage. Sure. And, uh, you know, just to, you know, basically uh, positivity and gratitude, communication, listening, boundaries, and intimacy, basically sex. And these five pillars are the foundation of what's a good marriage. I, I like to say that marriage is more about what you do than how you feel. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I can work with you and your wife or you and your husband on doing some basic, they're not, they're not complicated, but they can be difficult at times, as you know, <laughs> some basic actions and take basic activities you're going to definitely feel that massive increase in intimacy, connection, trust, communication, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's uh, of course, every relationship is different, and I don't <laughs> pretend to know everyone's challenges or anything like that. But that's, I mean, what surprised me was how quickly we were able to make progress in certain areas because you take such a practical approach because you take such an action-oriented approach and these things initially may just i don't want to give away all your secret sauce you know but uh initially may seem trivial if i'm being honest uh where it's like well what's that gonna do you know okay great um getting her flowers on uh, you know or or the appreciations right we we send uh, just text messages or WhatsApp messages um, with well-written appreciation uh, messages. So, okay, fine. I'll do it. (laughs) You know, um, but the reality is it really goes a long way. And and I do remember, um, and not to get into our relationship too much, but I remember you using the analogy or metaphor of, of, uh, you know, an archeologist uncovering a, a, a city and really what the, the foundation and the, of all the structures is there. We just need to dust it off. And totally. so there's, there's a lot um, that can be accomplished very quickly in your approach is what I would say. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I call my program. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. My program is called recreating intimacy and I, and I don't call it creating intimacy because mm. if you're married, the intimacy is yeah. already there. Mm. And that's what mm-hmm. I always try to, I'm a very marriage positive. This is another difference. I don't, mm-hmm. when you, when a couple comes to me, yeah, my job is to keep them married. I will. Mm-hmm. I do not entertain. You know, uh, I'm div- we're getting divorced. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how it, you don't work. You may think that, but I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and so, you know, my job is to help you recreate the intimacy mm-hmm. that's already there. You're already in love. There's a reason why she fell in love with you. She mm-hmm. likes a dozen things about you, and you like a dozen things about her. Let's just sure. bring that to the surface where it belongs. And then you're going to see oftentimes a lot of the problems that you came to me for don't even, mm-hmm. you, you can, you get confused as to why. You <laughs> <laughs> why, why are we talking? So basically you, you walk, work yourself out of a job. I don't know. It's, That's it's, exactly right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I have a line that says, when you feel like I ripped you off, I've done my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. One of the things that just came to mind was something I learned in, in, psychology 101 back in in college which shocked me at the time and and i'm curious to get your thoughts i remember learning that you know if you if you smile you actually become happier Mm -hmm. now this might sound either obvious or crazy i don't know but at the time it blew my mind because i always thought of of a a smile as being a a result of being happy right and so a response yes and so but it could go it can go both ways. And so if you smile, you actually change your emotion. So I'm curious, what, what, what do you think about that? I mean, you know, again, a lot of people say fake it till you make it, right? Which sounds sure. similar to what you're saying. You know, you put on that smile and then, you know, sometimes if, if I'm on vacation with my kids and it's hot and we've driven past the place or the place we went to was supposed to be closed. So I say, okay, we're on a vacation. Everyone put on their happy face, you know, in the car and everyone has to start smiling. You know, and so I think that that applies. Again, I just want to point out a a subtle detail here. Our natural state with our spouse is smiling. We're not faking it. The fake is when we don't smile. Hmm. That's that's the whole crux of my program. Hmm. When you you come to me with pain, angst, bitterness, resentment, disappointment, Mm -hmm. heartache, that's Mm -hmm. the fake. Hmm. That's the result of, of... 
a few poor decisions, the stresses of life, problems with the kids, maybe your job isn't going so well. That's not how you really feel about your wife. You love mm-hmm. your wife. You think sure. you married her. You thought she was the knees bees, right? <laughs> so sure. my point is to get you back into that frame of mind, that which is the real frame of mind. Sure. I love that. That's awesome. And I love that you do have the structure because I definitely know of therapists out there who, you know, six, eight months in, what oh, yeah. are, we're just wandering. What are, what are we doing here? I mean, I have a, I have a mortgage note mentorship program and, and quite honestly, it needs a bit more structure because, you know, it, it, it generally works well for people. And, and I do like that there's flexibility to both your program and, and mine because everyone's in a different spot and everyone has yeah. a different need. Um, but at the end of the day, there's some foundational pieces and that, that structure, that template that kind of works for everyone. And so, um, yeah, yeah that you did, ha- we, you know, you do have that structure to kind of fall back on, Oh yeah, which I yeah, if, if everyone is if everyone is more positive, you know, towards their spouse, you know, if they're more positive and more grateful, if everyone learns how to control the way they speak so they're not blaming their spouse, if you know how to listen so that your spouse actually feels like she's being heard, if you understand how to set boundaries in your relationship without, you know, kicking the teeth in of, of your spouse about hurting their feelings, you know, you know how to respectfully set boundaries and receive boundaries. And if you have a, a framework around your sex life, your marriage is going to improve. I don't care who you are your marriage is definitely going to improve. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm curious before I get to my, my, my rapid fire questions, I, you know, cause I, I didn't, we hadn't done marriage counseling before. So I'm not a, I'm not an expert in, in how people, how different therapists approach this. Why is your approach controversial as far as the separate, um, having most of the discussions separate? Uh, why is that controversial? Well, you know, it, because it's controversial in the sense that oftentimes what marriage therapists have considered their primary goal was to teach the couples how to solve problems. And the idea is that through them coming together in the therapy room mm-hmm. with the aid of the therapist, they could then address their problems and learn mm-hmm. how to work it out with the guidance of the therapist there Mm-hmm. to help them take that skill and then bring it into their real lives as soon as they're finished with therapy. And so I, I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely respect that. And and that is why in my program, we do have some joint sessions, you sure. know, yeah. and joint sessions are our opportunities through, you know, I don't allow any fighting in joint sessions. There's no finger pointing, blaming. People mm-hmm. come to the joint session with the skills that they've already learned. Mm-hmm. And then I'm there facilitating what I call real communication. You know, mm-hmm. it may be the first time that your wife has ever been able to tell you that something that you said to her three years ago really hurt her, you know? Mm-hmm. And she may have said that to you before, but you're going to be defensive. Well, I only said that to you because you said this to me, right? I mean, sure. <laughs> it's normal, right? But, yeah, but through the skills that we learned in the program with me being there, she can feel like you hear her and she can get some relief. You know, and then sure. you guys can take that win-win experience and bring it into your. Makes a lot day. of sense. Yeah. So, did you start out working only in person and then uh, expand yes. your business? Yeah. 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 Gotcha. It's, just, it's not. It's not. It's not relevant. To, working in person today is not. Exactly. Most therapists, you know, work over the internet now. Sure. Was it a? It was before COVID, right? That you you did the yes, virtual. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I started because I started out on Twitter. You know, I was originally doing in person here in Chicago and Skokie. Sure. Know. And then I started getting on Twitter and realizing, wow, there's a whole world out there outside of my little community here. Yeah. And sure. uh, I really enjoy being on Twitter. That's where most of the action is. If anybody's interested in learning about yeah. more my, my philosophy, just my first name, last name, at David Feldman on Twitter is where all the fun is, all the action, all the great conversations. And from there, you can get to all my other, you know, uh, social medias. But it's a great world out there. A lot of, a lot of people are yeah. on that looking for more. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it is a, <laughs> I'm surprised still to, to be honest with you, there's how this, it's a crazy world. I mean, it's how this, this works. I mean, the fact that, you know, I never would have guessed that my wife and I would have had this Jewish therapist, <laughs> you know, from, from that I found on Twitter. Cause I was just <laughs> following you on Twitter. I wasn't even looking for a therapist. I mean, yeah. Um, and that's how 
I discovered you over and I, over time, I realized I really liked this guy, I like following what he's, you know, I like what, yeah. I liked what you were saying and I liked your principles and, um, you know, so it's crazy <laughs> thinking back, it's crazy how this, this happens. Yeah. But no, yeah, you've, you've got a good, go ahead. You know, I thank God I have a decent sized following now. And, you know, I, I, I like it cause it feels like a family, you know, I don't yeah. have hundreds of thousands of followers that I don't know. It's like, I, I yeah. may get a comment from somebody that has been following me for four or five years already. And it's like, mm -hmm. I know the person and <laughs> you know, he may have even been a client of mine at some point in the past, you know? Sure. So it's like, it's like a family. We've got our own little family going on over yeah. there and people chime yeah. in and give their opinions. And, well, and you're not, and you don't, uh, you don't shy away from expressing your opinions, which I love, you know, it's, it's you've got, I mean, you know, you're not wishy-washy about certain things. So you're very right. principled, which I like as well. So, um, yeah. Anything else that you want to add about your, your current business, uh, before we, well, I did come out with a great book. Uh, one of the things that I do is, you know, the tweets give me an opportunity to share a, a powerful concept, but, there's usually a lot more behind the tweet that can be developed. And that's people when they, when they have me in therapy, a lot of times they'll bring up something that they saw me say online or something like that. So I wrote a book called 52 tweets to a great marriage. And what I did is I took 52 of my most popular tweets and I wrote like essays about each one, like a blog style essay, but it's like a, you know, very well in depth explanation of the concept. So maybe it's about, you know, the role of feminine and masculine in a relationship or the role of the, the husband as provider, or maybe it's about the role of a woman and how she can guide her family or, and, or the relationship in, between men and women and sex, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll say something in, in 100, 280 characters on Twitter, 240 characters on Twitter. But mm -hmm. then in the book, I'll really expand upon that idea. And I do include concepts that come from Jewish mysticism as well as uh, other therapeutic sources and mm -hmm. stories, you know, from my clients. So it's, it's a fun read and it's, it's broken down into 52 chapters. You can do one a week. You can learn it with your sure. spouse. And uh, it's just a lot of intellectual thought and some deep meaning and some fun stories. So it's great. Yeah. That sounds a lot like how you, how you approach your, your business and your therapy as in general, it, it's very deep and well thought out, and, but it also has a, a very practical element mm -hmm. to it as yeah. well. Um, and your uh, your wife works with you as well a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's, see, the program that we have, one of the nicest things about the program, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this, is that um, my wife is works with the women. So when you know if you come out as a couple, you get those sessions with me, but then the women get three separate sessions with my wife, who is a mind-body somatic healer. So she's really great working with women, especially for women who are emotionally stuck or have some trauma. And that trauma could be from anything. It could be from a childhood wound. It could be from something that her parents happened at home, or it could be quite honestly from the from you. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. that happens. You know, and she doesn't want to. You know, but women working with other women, especially getting back in touch with their intuition and their femininity, and kind of, you know, how they're feeling about things is very healing and helpful for, for sure. relationship. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. All right, you ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's go. Let's go. All right. What do people misunderstand about you? Um, people misunderstand that because I appear as a Hasidic Jew, they don't realize that for the first 25 years of my life, I was not. I was a regular secular person that grew up and went to public school and college. And so even though I look like, you know, maybe I speak Yiddish and all these different things and <laughs> can't read or write English, actually, I'm just like everybody else. And I've had, I had girlfriends when I was young and I understand marriage and relationships. And so that is definitely something they misunderstand. This is the first time we've had that answer. It's a great, <laughs> great answer. Um, what's one of your biggest failures or regrets in life? Oh, um, I wish that I had been more compassionate with my children, to be okay. honest. Okay. Yeah, I, I, for some of my kids, I did some tough love and uh, that worked out well for some of them. And I wish I would have been more uh, compassionate to, to the other ones. Got it. Understood. If you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? Uh, be more disciplined. <laughs> okay. Discipline is your friend. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what's, I mean, that's, and this is, I know it's supposed to be rapid fire, but what's an example of that? 
um, you know, uh, you know, get on the grind a little bit more. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a, I'm a cerebral kind of floaty type person in my head, and it's hard for me to take ideas that are up there and bring them down to reality. So, Got yeah, it. yeah, okay, okay. Um, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? I would do. I would choose the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who is my okay. spiritual guide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you were given ten million dollars tomorrow, make up for that. Five hundred grand or less. <laughs> what would you do with it? No, not a business. It's just here's a check for ten million. What would you yeah. do with it? Um, well, I would I would help my right now. We're trying to build our community out for um, you know for kids schools and stuff. My wife and I have a big push towards education, and we focus a lot on helping kids you know get a better education so that they today as you know you look around at public schools what's going on. So, sure. so we would definitely spend some of that. Uh, I also was a volunteer teacher myself. So I, I, I love the idea of helping children, you know, have a good relationship with learning and, and growing up in a safe environment. Love that. Um, back to your business. What is one challenge that you're facing in your business right now? Um, I would say systematizing and expanding. So I kind of have reached this, this balloon where it's kind of in a certain area. And um, if I want to take it to the next step, as you know, it's, if, I'm, if I'm just a therapist, I have to put mm-hmm. systems into place to really be able to spread my word to other sure. people. I can't do everything myself. So that's definitely yep. an area where I'm kind of bumping into right now. Got it. Um, maybe this relates, in your opinion, what's one uh, one of the most important personality traits that is needed uh, to be successful in your industry? Uh, integrity. Integrity is definitely one of them, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, perfect. How about a book? Besides your own, another book. You've mentioned a couple of books. Um, what's one more book that you could recommend? Can I do two or just one? Two is perfect. Okay. So the two books that I always recommend to my clients, there's two kind of books that are, they kind of parallel each other, but they're mm-hmm. the opposites. And one's called No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover. I think okay. you read that. And I, 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 I should have. <laughs> I need <laughs> yeah, to so, now. <laughs> yeah. And that's all about learning for men, learning how to set boundaries and learning how to... Um, establish yourself and your what your needs are and how to um, express yourself in a confident way and then the opposite the opposite book which is equally as important is called the way of the superior man by david deida and that actually focuses on how to be a leader for others so it's not so much about you stepping up for yourself it's how Mm -hmm. to show leadership for your wife for your children community and family Mm -hmm. the way of the superior man those two books if you get through both of those yeah Awesome. Great. Um, now with you, this question may be very applicable. If you could start an, another business tomorrow, what would it be? <laughs> I did actually start another business. And by the way, uh, yeah, this will be a fun one to talk about real quickly. But um, about about ten five years ago, a good friend of mine introduced me to wines, to all these different types of wines. Uh-huh. And I started getting really passionate about red wine and like where they come from. And there's a lot of Israeli wines that are coming out now. Mm. And I said to my friend, you know, I want us to do something in this. So years went by and we had this opportunity to become wine distributors. So we opened up a wine distribution business here in Chicago. And we have a branch now in Florida and we're bringing in tequila from Mexico and we're doing like, wow, yeah, it's a lot (laughs) of fun. He does most of the work. I I don't have time to do all of it, but it's a lot of fun. No wonder my wife liked working with you. She loves red wine. So, ah, okay, we'll have to send you. Um, there, there you go. Um, financial abundance. What does it mean to you? What has it meant uh, in your life? Sure. Um, what does it mean to me? Um, it, it, it means to me the ability to, you know, spend my time on creative and important pursuits that go beyond paying the bills. That's the be- that's the definition for me. What I really feel financial abundance is really all about, which I think is a little deep here, but why not, is when I let go of my concern and frugal kind of born from not having my limitation mentality, my limitation Mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. So for me, abundance isn't necessarily amount of money in the bank, although that always helps for sure. Sure. But I've met, you know, just to be honest, as a therapist, I've met people who have lots of zeros in the bank and are Mm -hmm. still trapped in the mindset that they penny pinch. And so for me, true abundance is when we can trust in God and we can trust in our experience and and life itself that 
we can let go of the bag lady syndrome, as they call it, and really learn to have confidence in our financial state. Love that. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, What is one question that you wish I had asked that I have not asked? This is a good one since I'm at Mary Separate. What has been the role of your wife in helping you succeed in your career? <laughs> David, what has been in the role of your life in helping you succeed? <laughs> the role of your wife in help, helping you succeed in your career? Yeah, it's a great question. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I came up with it all on my own. <laughs> um, you know, we're a team. You know, she was a stay-at-home mom for many years, and she's always been there for me. And when I say been there for me, it's not just that she holds down the fort, which she does. But she has always been somebody who I can talk to and lean on in hard times. Mm. And that's not easy for women because financial security is one of their most basis fears. And through all that, my wife has always believed in me, has always encouraged me, has always been there for me, has always helped me get back up, and has always given me the confidence to do what I always want to do. So, yeah, that's been a wonderful thing for me. That's great. Yeah, it's it's hard to put that in words, the, the yeah. importance of that. Um, that's fantastic. Well, as we wrap up here, this has been fantastic. I, I feel like I got a free therapy session myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this has been really, really good. Where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way, like I said before, is at Twitter. And if you want to see all the action, it's David, D-O-V-I-D Feldman. I'm sure you'll put the links in the in the, in the, yep, in the show notes. Yep. And then I have a great blog at davidfeldman.com. So I have a website, wonderful website. It's got tons of articles. A lot of what I do with my clients is actually there available for people to, to, to get into. And I have masterclasses, blogs, podcasts. We're starting, we, I do I have some TikTok and YouTube. Oh, nice. But yeah, you go to the website and you'll see everything. Fantastic. Well, David, this has been really, really good. Uh, Thank you, James. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for spending spending your time with us. We appreciate it. God bless. Uh, thank you. And to the listener out there, we thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.